Hello, gorgeous humans. Been a little while since I've done a Genius Moments episode. And mostly the reason for that is that with the Creative Genius Patreon, I do a bonus episode every other week in between the regular episodes. And so a lot of energy goes into creating that. And lately we've been having so much fun with it. I've been doing printables for watercolor workshops and guided meditations. And and then we all meet over in the Creative Genius family Facebook page and talk about what we're going through. And it's just really amazing. If you're not part of that yet, I can't stress enough how beautiful the Creative Genius Patreon community is just blossoming. I highly recommend it. But I felt suddenly very inspired to sit down and record a Genius Moments episode for you. So I hope you enjoy it. Have a listen. When I was little, I was obsessed with art. All I thought about all the time was making art and art supplies. I wanted to be around art supplies all the time. I collected little watercolors and markers and pens. And I remember one time my parents got this gift from a fancy store. I think it was like a big vase or something. And it came in this big, beautiful Tiffany blue cardboard box with this embossed decal on the top and a big navy blue ribbon. And I begged for that box so that I could keep all of my art supplies that I was collecting in it. I couldn't have been more than eight years old at the time. And I used to pack up that little box and take it with me everywhere we went. I would go down to the forest at the edge of the lake, the bottom of the street where we lived with this box, and I would look at the lake and paint watercolors and try to paint leaves. And mostly I just loved being around the materials and in the scenery. I don't even really remember specifically any of the pieces that I made. I was so young. I just remember the feeling of wanting to be out in the world, in nature, with my art supplies. And as I grew up, my love of art moved and changed, and I became interested in different things. And, you know, I became interested in things beyond my little watercolor set. I wanted to work with clay and paper mache. I wanted to learn how to sew and knit and weave and do printmaking and learn how to take great photos. I really wanted to try it all. Whenever there was an opportunity to try something new, I was the first in line. When it came to go to high school, there was a fabulous school in the city where I lived. It was kind of like it was kind of like fame. You remember that school, remember that show Fame? It was kind of like that, except I think it was better because it wasn't just a dance program. It had a visual arts program and a writing program and music and drama. You had to audition to get in and it was really hard to get in. I auditioned for the drama and the visual arts program because I couldn't decide. I got in for both and it was a really tough decision for me. I remember the whole spring and even into the summer of that year, I really hemmed and hawed. I wasn't really sure at all which program to decide. But they there was a deadline and I had to decide so they could assign the classrooms properly. And it was really tough. It was probably one of the first big life decisions that I made really listening to my gut. I just got really quiet and I asked for my answer. And I, there was no lo- like logical pro-con list or anything. I just woke up one morning and I knew it was the visual arts program. So I did that, and I was in heaven. My homeroom class, this is grade nine, was life drawing. We used to have a nude model named Charles, and he seared into my memory. He had all these 
genital piercings and tattoos. And I mean, imagine being a nude model for high school students. Like That's a special type of human being. It's a brand of courage that I don't know I'll ever have in me in this lifetime. But we used to go to our homeroom and draw Charles and we learned about photography and sculpture, charcoal drawing, watercolor and acrylic. We did all these things and it was really so, so wonderful. We never tried oil, oil painting, and I'm going to get back to that in a minute. I actually had to leave the program before they got to it, if they ever got to it, so I'm not sure, but I never did try oil. You know, I came into this world with this desire to make art and this path that led me to this school, and, and it was really wonderful. But behind closed doors at my childhood home were a lot of really terrible things going on. There's a lot of violence and tumult and chaos. And ultimately, in the summer between 14 and 15, I had to leave home for good. I was truly on my own. So I suddenly couldn't go to the art school anymore. I had to be out in the world working. I got a job at Dunkin' Donuts, and I had to support myself and find my own way in the world in order to survive my reality. But before that happened, from the time that I was a little girl collecting art supplies in that big blue box to the time that I started that program in high school, I got a lot of messages from the grown-ups in my life about how I had to choose something, how I had to choose the one thing that I loved the most so that I could get really good at it and master it. And I had such a strong aversion to that notion. It just felt wrong in my whole body. How could you choose? I mean, to me, the love affairs with color and texture and form and, and, and the act of creating, it doesn't matter to me if I'm creating a basket with cedar bark or an acrylic painting or making a little pair of beaded earrings. It's the act of using my hands to bring the dreams and the visions of my heart into the physical realm to share with others, to delight everybody involved, myself included. So it didn't matter to me. I couldn't understand why anybody would say that I had to choose one thing. Like it just didn't compute. But it did cause me a lot of stress. I do have a kind of mind where I'm not great at focusing. I'm not great at holding details. A couple weeks ago, I recorded an episode with this week's guest, Kim Meyer-Smith, who's amazing, by the way. You're going to love that episode. And then I went away for five days with my kids and came back. And the very first thing I did was sit down and think, oh, gosh, I've got to record Kim's intro and outro and get it off for editing so that it can go out on time. So I, I recorded this great intro and outro for the episode, and I was ready to submit it. And then when I looked in my file folder on my desktop, I realized I'd already done it. My mind just doesn't hold details the way that other people around me seem to hold details. And that's always been kind of stressful for me because I can't operate in a job in the way that a lot of other people can operate in a job. And it's hard to kind of make a living in the world when your brain works just so differently than everybody else's. There are other <laughs> things that I can do. I recognize that I have other skills, but they're just not skills that are as widely recognized as, as marketable skills and talents in the world. But that's a whole other episode. So I used to have this stress and anxiety about trying new things because I felt like there was something wrong with me. I can't focus on details and I always want to try new things. There must be something wrong with me. Every time I wanted to try a new thing, like if I saw something really beautiful, like a piece of pottery or a knitted scarf... I would wonder and I would need to know what would it be like to make that because that's the thing for me. There's something deep in my being that has to know what it feels like, it has to know the experience of creating. And I'm not in control of that. You know, I see a beautiful piece of pottery and I'm like, 
I got to, I got to know how to do that. I got to know what it feels like to make that and bring that into the world. It's like an aching. It's like an itch. It's like a hunger. It's in my hands and it's in my gut. And it's this like deep seated need to explore the materials until I can create this, whatever it is with my own two hands. And every time I would get a bug like that to try something new, because of all the messages I got when I was a kid, there was a sort of inner part of me that popped up. When you're a kid and you first come into the world, one of your major jobs is to just survive. I mean, it's why babies are so cute, right? Like if they're going to survive, if they're not cute, no one's going to take care of them. No one's going to take care of something that's so needy and noisy and resource intensive and stressful and annoying if they're, you know, if they weren't that cute. So really, if you look at it, that is why they're cute. It's like from an evolutionary psychology perspective, like we know this, we know this. So my job in the family that I came into was to survive by taking on the attitudes and beliefs and values of the grownups around me so that they would continue to take care of me. And this isn't something that any of us really do consciously, I don't think. But this is what every child is doing in every family. We're absorbing the value set and the priorities of the people around us so that they take care of us, so that we can survive. You know, if you're a squeaky wheel and you're not banging the same drum as your family or falling into line, your chances of survival go down. So I learned from a very young age to kind of squash down this instinct I had to try new things and always be creating things. I had this drive and this need to learn and create. I learned subtly from a very young age to squash down this instinct, this drive, this need I had to learn new things and create new things all the time. Every time I had the urge to try something new, the part of me that wanted to protect me and keep me safe would say, no, 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 that's not okay. The grown-ups around you are telling you it's not okay. But for me, when this happens, it's like this all-encompassing need. It's like if you're starving after a week in the jungle and you hadn't eaten and you'd have that deep need to eat, that's where this drive to create new things comes from for me. It's like it's a hunger like that. It's not something you can just make go away. Right? I worked really hard to shove it down because it didn't fit in the culture of the people that were raising me, but it was always there. And as I got older and I freed myself from that situation and I went into lots of therapy to kind of undo a lot of the conditionings I had, I was able to resolve a lot of the shame I had around trying new things and being good at many things and wanting to try new things. And I feel like mostly I'm freed of most of that. If you came into my studio, I don't think there's an art supply in existence that I don't own or a technique I haven't tried. Over the years, I've collected a beautiful, gorgeous collection of art supplies. But the one thing I've never tried is oil painting. And I'm exploring this right now. It's like a real-time exploration for me, and I don't know why. I don't know what the things are around it. I always feel like oil painting was kind of like this dirty, messy, dark... When I think of oil paints, I think of dark maroon and yellow ochre and crackling dark crusty blood and war paintings with men being stabbed. And I don't know why that's in there, but that is something in there for me. And so I've always just stayed away from it. Remember last summer, my friend Meredith came up to visit from Whidbey Island. She's an amazing artist. She came up to visit me and I had been, I had just been gifted a bunch of these old canvas panels from a student at Emily Carr University here in Vancouver who no longer needed them. And they were hand-built, wood-framed, 
huge canvases. They were probably worth a fortune and she didn't need them anymore until she gifted them to me. But they had oil paintings on them. And as you know, you cannot, you can only paint over an oil painting with more oil. So I said to my friend Meredith, do you want these? Because she was getting, she was getting into oil painting at that time. And she was like, what? Why wouldn't you want to try oil? And I was like, I don't know, because I just I have this stuff around oil painting and she was just like what well maybe you should get over that oil painting is amazing and delicious and wonderful and bright and I was like I I just don't think so and I really just dismissed it there was something about this medium that I just really had a deep aversion to I never wanted to try it obviously I need to do some more reflection on this but anyway my point is that about six months ago I started noticing oil paintings just a little bit more out in the world. And then I came across Kim Myers-Smith, who is our guest on the show coming up this week. And she's an amazing oil painter. Her paintings bring tears to my eyes, honestly, hand on my heart. There was one that I saw. And you know, when you see a piece of art that you just instantly know is yours, you get that lump in your throat and that feeling of like, I need it, it's mine. How do I, you know, you can't stop thinking about it. So I reached out to her and we made it happen. And I'm actually looking at it right now. It's sitting in my living room. It's absolutely beautiful. And it shattered so many of the ideas that I had around oil painting, around what oil painting was or what it could be. And that kind of opened the door a crack. And then last night I was in the studio and I was playing with my bright opera pink acrylic paints, doing this large, beautiful teal and pink poppy composition. And I was suddenly hit with this craving. You know, sometimes like at midnight, you get a craving out of nowhere for a piece of chocolate cake. Well, it wasn't chocolate cake. It was oil painting. And it really did come out of nowhere. Well, it seemed like it came out of nowhere. It was like a craving from that place deep in my soul. And instead of shoving it down this time, which is something I've done a hundred times with oil painting my whole life, I paused for a minute. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to let myself do this. So I went today to the art supply store and I treated myself to five tubes of oil paint and some linseed oil and some solvent and a brush and some palette paper. And I'm going to let myself try this new thing. Intuitively, I feel like there's some wound somewhere in me that is related to the oil painting. I don't know. It's all still very new. But I don't even know if I need to know what that is in order to heal it. I feel like the magic here is that something in me woke up and felt safe enough to say, I want this. I want to play with this. I want to experiment with this. I want to try this. Can I? And I said yes to it. And I'm gently shining a little bit of light on it with like curiosity. Why did I shut that down for so long? Why was I, why, why was there such a big aversion to this particular medium? Why was it the one thing out of all the things in the art world that I didn't let myself do all these years? I'm sending gratitude to the parts of me that are stepping off to the side and letting me even go here, go to the store, buy this paint. I'm saying thank you to the part of myself that was brave enough to ask and to the part of myself that is brave enough to let me go here. And we develop so many different parts inside to protect ourselves and keep ourselves safe. For whatever reason, something was guarding this exploration around oil painting and it was ready. 
It was ready to be seen and it was ready to be explored and be brave. And I'm so grateful that my system agreed and were willing to say, okay, all right, let's see. We'll see. Go ahead. We can try this. I'm willing to let you try this now. And I have no idea what will happen, but it feels deeply significant. It feels really important that I honor this calling. Even though, like if I brought you to my studio right now, you would say, Kate, that is ridiculous. You truly do not need another tube of paint, no matter what it is. You have all the turquoises, you have all the pinks, you have every single thing you need to make nice art. What are you doing? And you would be right. You would. I wouldn't argue with you. I have all the materials in my home. I have enough materials in my studio to make beautiful art for 100 years, probably. But there's this deep calling coming from somewhere else, coming from somewhere deep inside of me. And I'm tuning into it. And I'm turning to it. And I'm listening to it. And I'm honoring it. And I'm not going to go buy every color under the sun. And I'm going to go slowly. And I'm going to find out if there's something inside oils that's important for me. If the, Maybe there's some important work that's going to come through me. Maybe not. I don't know. I actually don't know. But the point is I'm listening to that place inside of me and I'm letting it happen. I'm trusting. I'm being curious. I'm being grateful. And I think the gratitude part is really important, you know. I was given a message, a little whisper, one of those little whispers from that infinitely mysterious, deep, wise place, and I'm not ignoring it. And I'm really grateful for that. And I wanted to share that with you because it feels like a really big milestone for me. And when I realized that, I knew immediately that there, there's something in there for you too. Maybe this could be some medicine for you too, you know? There's something that's been whispering to you that maybe you have denied yourself for a really long time, like something you really, really want to do, but you have stories around it and why you can't. Sometimes those stories can build up to be so much that it almost seems like you hate that thing. But actually, it's just that there's a part of you that's denying yourself the ability to explore it. And I was really rejecting this. I can't do it. It's gross. It's awful. It was like big rejection energy. But what if that was really just something protecting me from a vulnerability that I'm meant to explore? What if this thing that you're rejecting might actually be something that you really need and want to do and could change the whole trajectory of your life? Because I'll tell you this, the feeling I have right now, there's an aliveness. I feel like I'm communicating with a deep part of myself that is absolutely thrilled and over the moon to have my attention. I feel like I'm in this kind of union with this thing, whatever this thing is that's trying to talk to me, that where the miracle of life comes from, the miracle of art comes from, where everything worth doing originates. And I'm talking to it and it's whispering to me and I'm listening and I'm, I'm not denying it anymore. So I'll keep you posted on my journey and please keep me posted on yours. I really love hearing from you. And I heard from so many of you this week and I'm going to do another Genius Moments episode on this in the future. I have a very dear loved one who's in the hospital right now who had an emergency and a major surgery this week. It was about a seven hour surgery yesterday and it's not finished. She's just kind of waking up today and things are looking good. And while we were waiting for her to go into her surgery and all throughout the time she was having her surgery, rather than worry, I channeled that energy into painting. I painted her this really beautiful, colorful bluebird that actually has a hilarious side story to it. And if you go over to my Instagram 
you, I've posted a picture of it. I think it's in my stories. I, I anyway, it's a long story. I challenged myself to paint the very first bird that came up when I searched bird in Google Images, and this gorgeous bird came up, and I started to sketch it, and then realized something very hilarious about it, which you'll see if you go over to the Instagram page. I won't tell you because it's actually quite funny. Um, it had a little bit of a strange anomaly on it. <laughs> it was very hilarious. Anyway, I was sharing how. I was painting this bird as almost a form of prayer for this loved one that I had. And I shared that. And a lot of people have been reaching out to me about that, sharing their stories of painting as prayer. You know, I want to, I, I did this as a way to keep myself centered and grounded and connect to possibly some healing energy that I could beam at her while she's in the hospital. And I think we become very susceptible to darkness and dark energy when, we allow ourselves to be distracted, whether it's with fear or scrolling on our phones or avoiding things. So this has been a really beautiful, nourishing way for me to stay grounded and present for myself and my own experience and also for her. And I think that is another beautiful thing that art and creating can do for us. And I will talk about that in a future Genius Moments episode. But for today, it's about listening to the whispers and being curious about what your aversions are. What if there are gifts in them for you? Maybe they're actually trying to call you and give you something. So much love to you. I'm so glad you're here and that we're part of this together. I'm glad you're creating and I know that your creative genius inside cannot wait to be in an even deeper connection with you. Take good care of yourself and of your genius. Make sure you're signed up for my newsletter. I pick a random person from my email list once every month and send them an original piece of my artwork. It's one of my favorite things to do. It takes a lot to put together the show. Please consider supporting me to do it. You can visit patreon.com slash creativegeniuspodcast to find out more. And please keep my jewelry or paintings, and especially gratitude birds, which keep selling out, in mind next time you're looking for a treat for yourself or for a loved one. You can find everything I've mentioned on kateshepherdcreative.com. Thank you for being here, for opening your heart, and for listening. My wish and intention for this show is that it reach into your heart and stir the beautiful thing that lives in there. May you find and unleash your creative genius.